0: Hello, everybody, Doctor Rick Wallace dropping in on you. I hope that everyone is having an awesome. Week, I hope that with regards to everything that's happening in uh, good morning, good morning. I hope with everything that's going on in the world that you have created some sense enormously, some sense of stability and that you are aware of all of the possibilities that exist for you and you are not trapped within an illusion that causes fear, uh, something that we, tend to fall victim to quite a bit. Uh, There's a great deal of fear-mongering going around and it's all for the purpose of manipulating and controlling behavior. And uh, hello uh, T, Uh, definitely time for us to get back together uh, and talk. Uh, It's good to see you, Uh, hope you're doing well, everything's going great. Uh, Look, I wanna talk to you about something that's really heavily on my mind. Uh, My plan is to be succinct with this, not to take too much time, but I can tell you that the drive and passion behind it, I'm not certain uh, because I wanna get what's off my chest, what's on my chest off my chest. Uh, I wanna tell you that we definitely need your support, uh, especially the Black Man Lead Rite of Passage Initiative. Um, It's gonna tie into what I wanna talk to you about now. Um, and it is at a level of frustration that I haven't experienced in a while. I put my work in, I do what I can, and I'm, I'm good with uh, myself as far as knowing that I'm, 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 I'm on deck and that I'm doing what I can for my family, for my community, and for my people. Uh, but on a grander scheme, I'm also aware of exactly where we are and how much of our uh, current condition is solely resting on our shoulders because we don't see the value in ourselves. And when you can't see the value in yourselves, you can't see the value in your fellow brothers, your fellow sisters. And it shows in the way that you handle one another. And I wanna talk about that, but I'm going to be sharing with you the links that you can use to support uh, the work that we do at the Odyssey Project specifically, but not limited to the Black Man League Right of Passage Initiative, and you're very shortly going to find out why I'm focusing on that, outside of it being my passion to strengthen young Black males to create a generation of Black men who can actually stand up and step out and do what we need our men to do to create the environment for our women to do what our women are capable of doing. Uh, but because right now the need is just so immensely great. So I'm going to share these links with you. And while I know sometimes people love to do the super chat, give, understand that that's going directly to YouTube and I'll receive that next month sometime. And it's fine if that's the way you want to do it. But if you want to help directly and immediately use either the link that you see or the cash app account for the Odyssey project and the money will come directly to the organization. Um, Look, I am keenly cognizant of the relationship between black men and black women. Uh, It has been one of my passions. Anyone who knows me knows it's one of my passions. Black love is so important. Black love is an expression of black self-awareness, black self-love. And when you really and truly understand who you are, you'll see the dynamics. I've shared a couple of different stories and the responses to these stories have prompted me to actually come to you guys with this live stream. Um, I talked about uh, the precipitation of violence by black men towards black women. I acknowledge that on a statistical level, when you look at violence in the home, uh, when you talk about Blacks in particular, uh, Black women assault Black men uh, on almost on an equal level as Black men assault Black women. The violence perpetuated in the home comes from both sides. Uh, but where harmful violence that causes significant injury and death... Uh, then that changes drastically. Obviously, men with their bare hands are more capable of being lethal to a female than a a female can be lethal to a male with their bare hands. So uh, there comes this thing. And so my thing is, I understand the culpability of both sides when you talk about violence, but I also understand that there's a certain need and necessity for Black men to understand their roles so that they can, in essence, carry out their roles. And when you understand the way that I was taught my role by my male uh, influencers, beginning with my great grandfather, who was my adopted father, my dad, for all intents and purposes, uh, you don't put your hands on a woman. You don't talk ill to a woman or of a woman. You never mishandle a woman. Uh, It doesn't matter what she's doing, because how you treat her is not a reflection of her, it's a reflection of your character. You have to know when to walk away. You have to know when to to step away from a situation, whether it's temporarily or permanently. If a situation is so bad that a woman has you to where you're at a point about uh, where you're about to get physical, that person doesn't need to be in your life, doesn't need to be in your circle. And you also need to look at what triggers you. What am I getting at? Uh, am I saying that, you know, there, and the reason I'm saying this is because I posted some statistics on uh, a number of different social media platforms that show that over 50% of um, murders against women are Black women, despite Black women being a minority, and that the, the, Number one killer of Black women between the ages of 16, 15, and 44 is intimate partner homicide. Um, Now, I'm not by any means trying to paint a broad stroke on Black men, and that's something that we've got to be careful about. But what you have to understand is the media creates narratives, and they create uh, images. They set the notion of how a person or a group of people are perceived. Well, the only time you hear about black men is when they're doing something wrong. Uh, You hear about them when they're committing crime. You hear about them when they're murdering someone, stealing from someone, doing something bad. You get a big dose of that. So you normally tend to see the black man as being criminal. Uh, The criminalization of the black male image, the feminization of the black male image. Those are the ones that celebrated. If you look at TV shows, uh, you know, I go back to power. The one person on the entire show that had any redeeming qualities that you look at and say, okay, that's a good decent person was gay. This is an attack on homosexuals. This is the talk about how the black male is presented. The only time that the black man can be in an acceptable environment, he can't be alpha. He can't be a totally dominant personality. There has to be some sort of recessive masculinity about him at best to be acceptable, to be tolerable. They don't want the strong black male who can stand up, who has bass in his voice, who's unapologetically black, who doesn't cower at the idea of a white man. They don't want that, why? Because he's dangerous, because he doesn't have fear, because he will defend, because he will protect, because he will provide. That's not what they want. So all of this stuff is stirring in this big pot of confusion and it's our responsibility uh our responsibility to properly socialize young black males. i've talked about um, are we still here why would that happen Oh, I don't know what happened, but I got kicked out for a minute, but it looks like we kept going. So hopefully everybody's still there. Look, I've been doing this research on African-American adolescent and young adult male violence. I've been doing research on the progression and criminalization of black young Black males for more than two decades now. It has been a great part of my work. So I understand what causes violence on a grand scale in ways people don't That's why I uh, constantly combat the idea of myth of black on black crime. If we're not going to discuss white on white crime, Latino on Latino crime and on and on, because people tend to, commit violent acts against those within their proximity. And normally we still live in enclaves where Asians live primarily around Asians, Latinos around Latinos, Blacks around Blacks, whites around whites. So the chances are a person you're going to harm will be someone you know, then more than likely you're going to hurt someone that's the same race as you. Uh, 84% of white homicides are committed by white people. And we never hear the term white or white crime." because it's not a narrative created for true statistical examination. It's a narrative created to create an out, first of all, because the moment you start talking about why are you killing black kids, first thing is well, why are y'all killing each other where everybody kills each other. That's the truth of the nature. When you get into a violent situation, people normally harm people that's around them. Um, and you'll find that probably one of the most lethal creatures on the planet is the white female. If you study statistics, very dangerous uh, to her own mate and others around in, in certain situations she will never be seen that way because it's not overt violence. It's normally she pauses them or pays somebody to kill them, but she's pretty lethal or she weaponizes her whiteness. But anyway, that's a little bit off the track. Here's what I want to talk about. We've got to do a better job of. I want to get there real quick we've got to do a better job of properly socializing young black males. Uh, What I found in doing my research uh, with African-American adolescent and young adult male violence is that um, there are five primary contributors to African-American adolescent and young adult male violence. Uh, Three are going to be pretty much coming no matter where you look at, and most black kids uh, are going to be exposed to them because most black kids live in the inner city and that is um uh being a victim of violence whether in the home in in the in the community or at school uh being a witness to violence is another one that's uh going to precipitate a proclivity to become violent uh and the third common uh common commonality is uh urban uh, urban hassle Urban hassle is the things that kids within the inner city experience. Uh, Ambulances and gunshots all through the night. If you live in the Midwest or on the East Coast, L trains uh, moving around your apartment, the the constant noise that comes along with an L train. Uh, Having to navigate through gun violence and gang violence and drug activity just to get to and from school. All of that's urban hassle. Uh, somebody drunk and passed out in your hallway or alleyway. That's urban. All that's going to be there. But the two most impactful uh, forces is number two, the lack of proper racial socialization. Young Black males aren't being properly socialized. There's no rights of passage. There's no development of a sense of self-identity. There is a, an in, uh, uh, a, a way of acclimating them to social uh, demands and getting them to understand based on who they are and how they are viewed, how they are perceived, how they must behave, how mu- how they must care, this how, th- how they must see themselves, how they must treat themselves, and how must how, how they must treat females. All of this is important in the development. So we lack proper racial socialization, and the number one influencer is the feeling of being disrespected. Black, uh, any man, as a matter of fact, when I did my research on. Uh, for When Your House Is Not a Home, a book I wrote years ago is my fourth book. Uh, I'm actually dropping the follow up to that now, uh, which is Merging Souls, uh, my 23rd book. Um, so uh, but in the research that come to find out uh, in 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 polling men of all races and asking them uh, a real simple question. There were a number of questions, but the question that stood out to me out of uh, these, I think it was 4000 men they polled. And ask him, if you had the choice of being in an environment where you knew you were loved, but there was this constant uh disrespect in ways that it may have been micro disrespect, just just being disfit where you felt disrespected, but you knew the people cared about you and loved you and you had them around you or you could live on a uh live in an isolated and excluded area for the rest of your life, what would you choose? 80 plus percent of the men choose I would rather live isolated and alone than to be disrespected. There's nothing more important and more powerful in a man's life than to be respected. He wants to be respected before he's loved. He wants to be needed before he's loved. He needs to feel respected. He needs to feel he has a place. So he needs to feel needed. Well, when we don't address this young, when we don't address this through proper socialization, young black males decide what respect means and what disrespect means. And how they will deal with this respect. And if they're not properly socialized, the importance and the distinction of being able to deal with the fairer sex isn't isn't inculcated into their mind. So if they haven't been properly socialized. And they don't understand that when you start to reach a certain age, testosterone production starts to take place and you become stronger, you start to grow at a rapid pace. you become more muscular, you become distinctively physically different than the female who up until about nine or 10, y'all pretty much on level field. But after about 10, 11, you start to grow stronger. You start to be uh, in a situation. And what you have to understand is, you also get with that strength, a level of aggression that comes with testosterone that isn't present on, on average with females. Now females have learned and trained, especially like women have learned and trained themselves to be aggressive because they've had to. But in the natural form of it, testosterone makes you a little more aggressive. Well, that, uh, that, that strength and that aggression is actually designed for you to have the physical capacity and the mental and emotional willfulness to go out and defend and protect those you're responsible for, which are the elderly, the children, and the women. You are to protect them. They are never to be harmed in your presence. They're never to be harmed under under your cover. You are responsible for them. At no point in time are they to be in fear of being harmed by you. The safest place for a black woman should be in the presence of a black man. And we know that right now, not to be true. I'm not saying that there aren't black men out there handling their business. I only hang around black men who are handling their business. What I'm saying is it's far too often that I'm seeing stories of black men jumping black women because they told them no. Black men jumping black women because they won't receive their advances. We just heard about in Harlem, uh, four, four cats jumping on a young young single mom who declined their offer to pay for her wine. And I mean, attacked her and bit her over the eye and a bunch of other things. And I hope very much so that black men in that community catch those cats if they haven't already, because we need to send a message that our women are off limits. And so what really brought me to the point I'm at right now is that when I shared, we've got to do better black men because these statistics reveal that our women aren't safe I actually had a black man, more than one, show up and give situations. One guy who's on a, a video, I think right before this one, or not a video, on my post. I posted it. He's on there and he's saying, Well, that doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, are they saying why their uh the homicide rate with black women is so high? Is it their their vitriol, their 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 mouth, their and so my whole thing is I came back. And normally I would just totally you know uh, block somebody that's on that level, but I didn't want anyone who had saw it before I did not to see me address it in a way that that, that addresses it in truth and gives a, a, a broader sense and understanding of what's going on. So I came back and I said, so tell me this what in the list of fallibilities and faults with that you see in women? Justify them being, justifies a woman being murdered. I said, there's nothing that you mention that says a person deserves to be murdered for for doing that. And so he comes back again, and eventually I just had to really just go go left and correct him and tell him how I feel. Any man that feels that he needs to harm a woman is weak. A man that cannot control his emotions when he becomes angered by a woman is weak. Any man that feels that he needs to control a woman physically to get what he needs out of her is weak. And I went on and on and on to talk about this. I was taught by a very strong man. My grandfather uh, now that he's gone, I can say this. My grandfather had bodies. My grandfather grew up in a time where some things went on. He grew up in, 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 in a racial, highly racial charged area in northern Louisiana, had some connections with family in the south of Louisiana, and eventually moved to Houston because he had to, but and was not afraid, slept with a pistol under his pillow. But yet my grandmother was the safest person in the neighborhood. Why? Because nobody was going to harm her, neither was he. He never raised his voice at it. He taught me, you don't have to raise your voice to be heard, son. So when I talk to my woman, I talked to my woman, my wife, Marion. How I talk to you now, if you think that just because Marion and I show this great love for each other, that we don't have moments, you know, we have moments. We don't agree on everything. We have moments. And she she can get pretty rowdy. And my response is, okay, we'll talk about it later, and I'm done. I don't have to argue with you. I'm going to lead by the action I take. At the end of the day, it's going to be taken care of. I don't have to win an argument in order to get the thing done. I'm not here to win arguments with my wife. I'm here to protect, provide, to cover, and to build with my wife. If that means she wins every argument, I'm good because at the end of the day, I'm going to get what needs to be done done. And that's the way I was taught with my grandfather. There's a whole bunch. My grandfather used to say, don't do a whole lot of spitboxing, especially with men, but you don't do it with women either. That's what he called uh, spitboxing. It's arguing. If it's time to touch a dude, touch him. Don't sit up and spitbox spit box with him. Get with him. Let him know you ain't feeling what he's what he talking about by the way you touch him. If he's getting aggressive with you, let him know he's out of line by the way you touch him. And eventually you will stop having to touch people because people understand that's a way you that you come out. And I haven't had to touch anybody in a long time. Now, I'll definitely touch someone behind my family. But the thing is, I have daughters. And they know they're safe. I have daughters and I have sons. They understand, don't ever let me catch you putting your hand on a female. I don't care how rowdy she is. I don't care what she said. I don't care what she did. Now, obviously somebody's got a gun pointed at you and you got to save your life. You got to do what you do, but that's not what's happening with the vast majority of these murders. It's men who can't control their emotions. Their egos get bruised. They can't accept no, they can't accept rejection. They don't know how to deal with any of that because they haven't been properly socialized. And that's what I'm trying to get us to understand is that we've got to do a better job of socializing uh, our young men. And that's what the Black Men Lead Rite of Passage program is all about. It's about catching young black males from the age of four to 30. Now, the ideal age for socializing and inculcating is from four to 12. We want the rite of passage to take place at 13. But we also understand that we've got an entire group that are out there already with faulty paradigms about how we engage the world. And they the world is going to eat it up. They're going to let them do that. They are being purposely alienated in the public education system. They are being purposely attacked. And I talk about that in my, my latest book that's coming out, uh, Academic Apartheid. They are purposely alienating our kids in the public school system, male and female, but definitely males. They want them to drop out. Why? Statistics show that when you drop out of high school or before completing high school, that your chance of becoming incarcerated increases by five minimum. And there are some studies that it's it's even worse. And we know that once you become incarcerated, your chance of recidivating after you've done your first bid is about 72 percent. It's a system designed to institutionalize the black man into criminality. Not to properly prepare him, but to set him on a course of self-destruction, understanding that the black collective cannot survive without the black man. There's been a a, a push to convince the black woman that she doesn't need the black man. Why? Because as powerful as she is, there's only so much that she can do to elevate the people as a collective. And, and, And so there's a big push to individualize blacks to get us to stop thinking as a collective, to get us to say, as long as I make it, and I ask anyone that knows me and they'll they'll tell you, one thing that I consistently tell people, one thing that I consistently insist upon, that as long as I'm an anomaly, as long as people look at me, and see the successes that I've experienced in a number of different ways in life, from being an author, from being a speaker, from being an athlete, from being a businessman, all the things that I've experienced a level of success at that the average black person doesn't. Uh, and that's another thing, uh, Omega Courtney, that I need to get to. Uh, so don't let me forget that statement about, Black men uh, uh symbolizing their own uh failures uh by saying it's black women's fault. I want to I wanna want to get to that uh in, in in a short brief time. You got that there, there's a psychological dynamic that I can't cover in one sitting, but I definitely want to touch that. But what happens is we've got to get ourselves to an understanding that what and what I've always said is. As long as I'm an anomaly, I have failed. As long as people look at me and see my successes, but it is not not representative of the whole, then I failed. If I'm still the exception to the rule, I failed. And I cannot be satisfied with that type of failure. So I can't look and say, man, I figured it out. I got through it. And not sit up and be compelled to make sure that it's accessible to all, and 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 so that's that's the first part. The second part is they understand. We talk, you know, you I've I've written about this whole notion of Black girl magic and all this stuff like that, and I think that. One of the reasons black women suffer in so many different areas is the idea of them being magical, the idea of them not feeling pain, the idea of the strong black woman. Nothing breaks the black woman. The truth is she's been broken. She needs a black man. She's doing so much, but so much of what she's doing, she wasn't designed to do. That's the work of the black man. And we convince ourselves that, hey, this is what's necessary and this is what's going on. What are we seeing in the way of collective progression? We aren't, we're seeing decline, why? Because the institution of the family isn't being upheld because there's this notion that black women don't need black men, why? Because the black man was commodified. What does that mean? He was reduced to a paycheck and when the black woman started to earn at a level she could support herself. speaking of maria and so in essence you got all of this stuff going on and so now this is this is my this is what i've taught and this is what i believe the spiritual prowess of a black woman is unparalleled and so i've always believed that we will never get any higher than our black women are capable of elevating us spiritually But I also believe that there's a part that needs a physical force of protection and propulsion. And so I also say we will never get any further than our black men can physically lead us. You need black men to provide a level of security and space in which the black woman can feel safe and function in without fear of harm. Or, or, or decimation or destruction. She needs to know that she's covered. She needs to, a black woman needs to know, I'm in this place. It's all these other people around me. Here comes this black man and walks in and her, her, her blood pressure should drop. Because she knows as long as he's in here, I'm okay. That is something that we absolutely have to be aware of. Is the fact that our women are going to elevate us and our men are going to push us forward. We're going to get get higher and we're going to move further, but we need to work together. How are we going to do that if our black males have been trained and conditioned to believe that our black women are their enemy? And uh, as uh, Omega Courtney mentioned earlier, there's this notion that anytime you start talking about the failure of the black community, there's a certain group of black men, not all because I work with black men that understand our role, but there's enough of black men running around blaming everything on a woman. Here's the problem I have. Here's the problem I have with men who point to women as the problem. I'm not removing the culpability of the black woman. I'm not saying she's not without fault and that she has not made mistakes and that she hasn't gotten caught up in some of the things. Feminism is one. I'm not saying that. Here's what I'm saying. You can't call yourself a king. You can't call yourself the head. You can't call yourself a leader. If you are willing to deflect Responsibility for failure. See, now when you call yourself a king, the head, a leader, and things go well, you want to accept responsibility for that. Well, see, that goes both ways. When things aren't working well, you got to own that too. That's why coaches get fired when teams don't perform well on the field. Coach not even on the field, but he's the leader. I was taught a long time ago by my grandmother actually. My grandfather couldn't read or write. He had to drop out of school in the second grade to go out in the fields uh, as a seven year old to help his fa- father, who was a sharecropper. He was born in 1909. And so he's out there in the fields in the 19, in the teens, of the 19 teens. He's out there in the field as a seven year old picking cotton and whatever else they got out there to do to help meet the demands. So the families got food on the table. So he couldn't read or write. And so they would sit down every month and do bills, sharing some stuff with you. I'm hoping I can bring something home. They would do bills and they would bring me in to watch them because they want to train me on how to run a home, how to operate, how to build as a team, how to function. And I remember my grandfather saying, normally they did very well to be from their situation, their background. But I can remember my grandfather uh, uh, father. Uh, you know, saying on one particular month, they, they pay all their bills at the first of the month. And normally everything was covered and that was something left over. For whatever reason, that was a month where there were more bills than there was money. I can't remember what it was. I was still probably what, about nine, eight or nine years old. And I'm sitting there and my grandfather's telling my grandmother, no, we're going to do it this way. And I could tell by my grandmother's expression and her response that she didn't feel that was the best way. and She was worried that the decision that he had made wasn't gonna, but she did it. She paid who he told her to pay and she did it. And then it was all over. Everybody got up. I went in the kitchen a little later and said, mama, I think you were right. And, you know, I could tell you were word. So he can't read. Why didn't you just pay who you thought needed to be paid? And he wouldn't know the difference. She says he, he's the head of the house. He's responsible for it if anything goes wrong in this house, people are gonna look at him. No matter if I did it or not, they're gonna look at him. So if he's the one that's gonna have to carry the load of saying he's responsible for it, he gets to make the final decision. She says, most of the decisions he leaves up to me. But when it comes down to something important that we can't agree, he makes the final decision because you know what's gonna have to happen. If he's right, good. If he's wrong, he's gotta fix it. And he always does. I trust him. Not because he's perfect, but he fixes his mistakes. So a year later, I'm talking to him and he told me the same thing. without ever knowing that I had ever talked to her? He told me that you can't be a leader if you're not willing to own the mess as well as the accolades. He didn't say it in those words, but that's what he told me. And see, we got a bunch of men who want to claim the role of leader, but as soon as shit gets hectic, you want to point the finger. I'm not saying black women aren't doing some things. I'm not saying that it's not possible that black women have culpability. Absolutely. Nobody is without fault here. What I'm saying is somebody has to be the leader and say, through my actions, I'm going to cultivate an environment that inspires everybody around me to shift their paradigms, to shift their behavior, to shift how they're moving and thinking. I have to be the I have to be the force. I can't keep pointing the finger. I can't keep placing blame. All I can do is up and say, you know what? Our women have been through hell. So you know what my goal is going to be? I started this over 10 years ago. And my wife still talks about it today. I said, instead of demanding more of a woman than she can give, I'm just gonna love her back to life. And that's been my goal with my wife. When I met my wife, I met her as her counselor. She was going through all kind of uh, work to uh, heal from childhood trauma, from being molested, from being raped, from being in a house with an alcoholic abusive father who almost killed her mother and had them scared every freaking day. She was coming out of it, and trying to grow into it. And somebody pointed her in my direction. She came. I worked with her for a year. The moment I met her, I knew she was my wife. But I knew she had healing to do. She couldn't be my wife where she was. And I still had some work as a man to do. But I knew that's going to be my wife. So I worked with her. Never came on to her. And I could tell that was something there because there was something about her that trusted me to protect her outside of our work environment. Like We could be on social media and she would look for me to defend her. And I knew that there was something there. But anyway, after we finished, she went her way. I went on my way. A year later, she popped back up. And within two weeks, I told her I wanted her to be my wife. She had grown. She hadn't completely and fully healed. We still had work to do. But you know what? I decided I'm going to love her to life. Instead of sitting up and finding everything wrong with her, I'm going to breathe life into her. I'm going to provide an environment where she knows as long as I'm breathing, she's safe. And man, a lot of people in her family didn't like it. Why? Because they were getting at her. They were getting at her and manipulating and guilting her. And, and I shut all of it down. It all comes through me now. Nobody's doing that, Not even kids. You're not going to sit up and just use her until she's used up. And I am got on her about creating bar- barriers and parameters and boundaries. And I continue to love her to life. Not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. I don't raise my voice at her. She never feels threatened. Hell, the kids in the house don't feel threatened. Why? Because I'm, I could tell my 16-year-old right now, girl, if you don't get in there, you're going to get a spanking. And she'd have to turn right around to me and say, psych. Why? Because the one thing that's never going to happen to her as long as I'm alive, somebody hit her. Including me. And these little boys that come around and want to sit up the first thing, do whatever you do. Don't ever put your hands on my child, because I will forget that you are a minor. And then the ones that are with my adult children, I got a daughter that's 35 that's been married, what, over 10 years and with the guy for 14. And there's nothing but a level of respect because she went out and found somebody who could take a lead like her pops. We we communicate weekly, multiple times weekly. There has to be a proper socialization of black males that show them the proper way to be men. Any man that thinks he can justify harming a woman because of the way her mouth is. And if you got a conniving woman that's sitting up, undercutting you and doing all that, you need to get out of that. I've been there. I've been there. I have been with a person that I set up and se- told, if I didn't know any better, I would think you were sabotaging all of my dreams. This woman told me I am. I said, why the hell would you do that? Because if you make it to all the places you're planning on going, I don't fit. You won't take me with you. She didn't see herself in a high enough light to see herself with me. So she was trying to keep me down. I didn't beat her, I didn't kill her. I told her I'm sorry, but I've got to go. You as a man have to be able to think, take the emotion out of the equation. I'm not saying you're not supposed to feel. I'm saying you can't be led by your feelings. Anybody that's leading has to be able to think strategically. You can't think strategically if you're acting off of your emotions. Yeah, And the the thing is, don't allow the degrees to fool you. Don't allow the books to fool you. I come from the hood. I got the wounds, both bullet wounds and and knife wounds to prove it. I just decided that wasn't going to be my end story that I had far more to give the world than I died at a young age for something that didn't even belong to me in the first place, just wasn't gonna do it. So I decided that I was gonna impact the world. We have a lot of growing up to do in our collective engagement with one another. We have been trained to point fingers. Everybody's pointing the fingers. Nobody's taking the reins. Well, if you're going to be a leader, it's up to you to take the reins. If you want to say you're a king, it's up to you to take the reins. If you want to say that you are head of a household, it's up to you to take the reins. It's up to you to sit up and say, I'm going to be responsible for the highs and I will accept the the responsibility for the lows, even if I didn't do it. You've got to find someone when it comes to building a family, you've got to find someone you can build with. It's more than just a physical attraction. It's more than just what's going on now. You gotta find somebody because see, the person you're finding won't be that person next week. Okay, question comes in. Why do two adults need a leader? Somebody has to be responsible. 50-50 means a tie sometimes. And the bottom line is we live in a patriarchal society where the power flows through men. So guess who's going to get blamed when something doesn't go right? There are so many people. You know how many times I've heard I can't ask for help because I got a man? That's why. Because that's the world we live in. We live in a world where you have to have a lead. Number one is. Show me anything where someone is that any group, any place, anywhere made it there without a leader. I'm not saying that has to be one leader. I'm not saying some in, in my situation in the home, for the most part, over the uh, of the functionality and the dynamics of the home. My wife is the leader. She does all that when it comes to selling the entire atmosphere that belongs to me. That belongs to me. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's going to fall on my shoulders whether I want it to or not. And if it's going to fall on my shoulders, I'm going to have some input on what's going on. It has to be that way. The idea that any you no team is leading itself to a championship. No business is leading itself to the top of the world. Without Steve Jobs, there's no Apple. Without uh, Bill Gates, there's no Microsoft. You have to have a leader or leaders. Now, in my home, there are two leaders, my wife and myself, depend on what you're talking about. And the kids learn. The kids learn, okay, that person is more stern on this. That person isn't. So if I want some leeway, this is who I go to. They understand that. And it's up to the two people at the helm to sit up and understand. You're trying to bypass your dad or you're trying to bypass your mom because you know what they're is. No, this is what we're going to do. And we allow it to a certain extent. We allow them to you know, kind of get back. But we have a control over how it goes. I'm not bigger than my wife. I'm not better than my wife. I'm not more important. Matter of fact, I teach all the men when it comes to being the head, it means that you're at the bottom. And the first question is, what does that mean? That means that as the head, you lay the foundation. On top of the foundation comes the mom and the children. They feel safe because the foundation is solid and they can stand firmly and chase their dreams, stand firmly and live in their purpose, stand firmly and feel secure. That's what being the head means. It don't mean being out front and on top. It means being the foundation on which everything else will be built. And, and, and laying out the parameters of how things will be done. Your character as a leader represents the full motion of what you are producing. And so that's what I'm talking about. There's no one better than anybody in this household. We have roles. We have roles because everybody needs to understand what's expected of them. Somebody has to be accountable for everything. And when you have more than one person of accountable, it's too accountable, it's too easy to say, "Well, you should have did it, no you should have did it. At the end of the day, any failure in this house ultimately files on me. That is where we're at. That's why what I'm talking about is so important. We're not properly socializing our young black males. When well, you understand, we first of all, we have 1.5 million missing black men, incarceration, dying early, a drug, drug and alcohol addictions. They're missing in action or they're missing, period. And there's this big gulf of a lack of role models, modeling. We learn first by modeling, not by what we're told. A woman can tell a young black boy all day long, what he needs to do. But even in the most simplistic, and I I make this point, and I don't mean to be vulgar here. I I mean to be clear. In the most simplistic development of moving through the processes of becoming a, a, a little boy, a big boy, a teenager, and a man, a woman can't even teach a young black boy how to pee standing up, which is one of the stages that he learns. He learns it from seeing his dad do it. It's not something you tell him. Is something that he sees and wants to emulate because the natural yearning is to want to be like a larger version of himself. It's a natural yearning for him to want to become what he sees in the older version of himself. So, how manhood is modeled is immensely important. Yes, you can tell him you need to always do this, you need to always do that, and you can get you. That's that one. Because we have so many single mothers raising young black males, that's why we have high performers. In this generation, we have a lot of high performers in the workplace, but poor performers in the home because they can't be taught how to be men in the home. Matter of fact, the more dominant of a female role model you have in the home where there's no male presence, the more submissive the man becomes to the female. I teach the women that come to me and bring their sons. At the age of about seven, stop physically disciplining him and stop mentally and emotionally dominating him. Find some male role model that is consistently around and trust him in that area. Why? Because at that point, the more you dominate him as a female, the more you discipline him, you're training him to acquiesce and submit to a female who he's ultimately going to be asked to care for in the future. And he will, when times get rough and it's time for him to show up and make a decision, he will be looking to her to tell him what to do because that's all he's ever experienced. We've got to properly socialize our black boys. I could speak on this for, I don't know how long I've written on it in volumes. I've spoken on it, but we've got to do it. Uh, so, look, share the share the video, talk about the video, continue to com- uh, come back and comment on the video. Uh, the links have been added to show you how you can support the work that we're doing through the Odyssey Project, one of which is Black Man Lead. If you want to go on the site and look there, you can check out Black Man Lead and see what that entails, how intensive the program is, we are you know limited on how we're doing it now because we simply don't have the support the support but i work with a lot of females who are single mothers who are afraid for their sons because now they're at the age where they are getting close to having to go out there in that world and they're not ready how they're viewing life they're still dealing with some hurt they're still dealing with some pain some disappointment some 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 processing of why daddy wasn't there and a a, a search for self. When you don't know who you are and why you're here and you've got all these forces and hormones and pushing, telling you to do something and you don't know why, and you don't have guidance on why and how and what, it's easy to take that frustration out in violence against one another, in violence against our women, end up incarcerated, institutionalized into the entire criminal process and find your life wasted, we cannot allow that. If we want a future, we've got to produce a generation that's capable. We've got to produce a generation that has been from the cradle to adulthood inculcated into their true identity, into their true self, into the true power and who they are in nature and an expectation and demand on themselves that says, I will rise. We owe it to ourselves to properly engage our youth. And I'm asking you to be a part of that. On that note, I'm going to get ready to get out of here. I've been on here a while. I've got to get ready for a a client. But I definitely want to thank you guys for stopping in and sharing with me and being a part of this. Um, And there's so much more that we need to have uh, and be and do. Uh, something Marion is doing. Uh, you know, her book that she wrote, she was talking about that when I counseled her and I encouraged her to finish the book. The book is finished. I republished the book a few years ago, uh, re edited it, uh, did some additions to it, and republished it under uh, on, on my publishing house. And we've got it back out. But the name of the book is Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters. And the name of Marion's movement is Restoring Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters. And she works with young girls who went through what she went through. We've done work with uh, young girls and young women who have been sex trafficked. We've done work with young girls in the juvenile justice system who are locked up and under the age of 18. Marion has made many trips inside. And counseled and worked with these women. We are doing work. Uh, she has a contract with the school district, Aldine school district down here. Um, there's so much that needs to be done and we need to facilitate it. Nobody's going to do this for us. We're going to have to do it for ourselves on that note. Look, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have an unbelievable day and thanks once again, make sure you get, share this video and I'm out of here.